Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of CBIA's BizCast. I'm Shannon King. Yesterday, I caught up with Paul Pescatello, Senior Counsel and Executive Director of Connecticut's Bioscience Growth Council. I talked with him last week about what's continuing to be discovered about this virus and how the bioscience community is racing to develop and test a vaccine. Since the news and information changes so quickly these days, I thought I'd have Paul back to give an update from the bioscience community. Paul, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? I'm doing well. Uh, So what is the latest update from the CDC? So CDC has been looking at, um, you know, new new evidence, new data, and it appears that in many um, circumstances, um, more than six feet might be necessary for effective social distancing, um, up to 13 feet, actually. And it's also, the CDC has also looked at the ways, the, um, the mechanisms for the spread of the virus. And, uh, you know, again, people should just be very careful in terms of, um, you know, using gloves and um, sanitary, sanitary wipes. Um, but one of the thing, interesting things that came out of the recent um, review of different infection conduits was that the coronavirus spreads, um, especially on shoes and interestingly in hospital settings, medical settings, on the wheels of luggage. So it might be very common for people to bring in and family members to bring in luggage as somebody's admitted to the hospital or to a facility or when they come home and just wheeling through that hospital setting, they can pick up a lot of uh, viruses generally, but including the coronavirus. I, I know the CDC's guidance for wearing a face mask out in public and wearing gloves when you can and obviously sanitizing and washing hands for uh, 20 seconds or more. Those those are still in place, but maybe also um, if people are out in public or, um, of course, medical staff and essential workers, uh, they should be aware of their shoes and uh, potentially luggage that they have with them. Certainly, and, and, and sort of all services. So um, there's also talk of the, the ability of the virus to persist on certain types of surfaces, especially things like cardboard. Um, so just, just to be you know, careful uh, kind of in every context. Yeah, certainly. And what uh, new updates are coming from the FDA? So the FDA, um, let's see, uh, in a way, a lot to report. So um, as of today, um, the FDA and, and, and the Bioscience Growth Council we're counting 161 different treatments under um, re- you know, research review right now, and actually 152 clinical trials of different substances. And I'll just quickly say that that 161 treatments includes five different categories, um, blood purification, plasma or antibody therapy, antiviral drugs, um, anti-inflammatory drugs, and of course, the, the holy grail is a, a vaccine to stop the virus. Um, but so of those five categories, there are 161 investigations um, ongoing. The newest one are um, the blood purification systems, which are devices um, somewhat analogous to kidney dialysis, which remove, anti, which remove inflammatory substances from the blood. And so, um, as we've discussed before, um, Unfortunately, for, for patients at the end stage of COVID-19 disease, 
What really seems to be the problem is not so much the viral load, which often is very much reduced by the end stage, um, but it's the body's own inflammatory response. And so um, initially, uh, doctors and hospitals were, were testing um, anti-inflammatory drugs, which have the um, also the, the, the side effect of tamping down the immune system. Those are still under investigation, but the blood purification devices, which actually filter out those inflammatory substances, are now being, uh, you know, in, under emergency um, authority being put into place. So they'll, they're able to pull out the inflammatory substances without tamping down the immune system. Have you heard any updates in terms of the uh, respiratory effects that this virus has um, on patients? Uh, are these immunosuppressant treatments or anti-inflammatory treatments, I should say, are those really attacking um, the respiratory system to have it uh, calm down, for lack of a better term? Yeah, so they, they, they appear to be very effective um, when, when you had the... the it's something called a cytokine storm. That the, the cytokines are the are the inflammatory is the inflammatory response, the inflammatory substances, and being able to attack that cytokine storm seems to be really critical. the The trick is um, that you you want to tamp that down, the inflammatory response, but you don't want to completely um, shut down the body's own immune system because of, of course you're, we're being bombarded all the time by other viruses and bacteria, and including the COVID-19, you could still have a low-level infection, and you don't want it to rise up again in a patient. Um, so that's, so those, those, those kinds of drugs are still very much in, in, under investigation and being used um, somewhat, but then these blood purification devices are also um, coming into the into the mix of treatment options. So what's happening in the bioscience community? Um, I know we talked last week, but uh, things are changing really quickly. So that's why I wanted to uh, talk to you again this week. Uh, so what's going on in the bioscience community, um, particularly with the vaccine development, but also with the new antibody test? Sure. So um, as, I, as I mentioned, there, there, by many counts, there are 161 treatments under review right now, and virtually every uh, CBIA, Bioscience Growth Council member, is working in some way on the COVID-19 disease and, and treatments to, to um, eradicate it and, and, and treat it. Um, so um, I think the, the, uh, there, there are four vaccine trials ongoing. The, um, the latest news, um, just as of yesterday, um, is, is a, a collaboration among Sanofi and GlaxoSmithKline. Um, and there's a lot of collaboration going on, which is really heartening to see among the different players, both among the companies themselves and with the hospitals. Um, the um, uh, GSK, uh, GlaxoSmithKline, is the biggest vaccine maker in the world. Um, Sanofi has a uh, SARS vaccine that was under development um, several years ago. Um, GSK is also very, um, uh, has a special expertise in um, tweaking vaccines to um, sort of get the body's own immune system to uh, be very receptive to the vaccine, therefore requiring less vaccine product in whatever dose is given. So in other words, whatever batch of vaccine is made, you would need less of it. And that's going to be a big issue in terms of manufacturing capacity. 
um, to get enough vaccine, the volume of vaccine out there uh, once a vaccine is is developed and ready for production. Um, so there's a, there's a lot going on. As I think I mentioned the last time we talked, uh, Medtronic's um, here in New Haven has made its uh, ventilator um, design available to others to, to manufacture. So again, a lot of work going on and a, a, a really great collaboration among all the players. Yeah, yeah that's really great to hear. Um, so I wanted to ask you about uh, the conversation has sort of shifted to uh, reopening businesses and um, lifting the shelter in place. Um, and th- this is still being worked out at the federal level and also at the state level. There's a new task force um, in each state regionally in New England and the tri-state area has their own task force to um, collaborate on this reopening and when it's appropriate for each state and their population. So uh, Governor Lamont said earlier this week that the worst is behind us. I, I believe we we hit our peak uh, earlier this week or uh, late last week. Um, so what, from, from obviously a scientific medical standpoint, what does this reopening look like and what will make it successful? And obviously the worry is maybe during the summer, there will be less transmission of the virus, but obviously when the weather gets cold and the air gets dry, uh, viruses and illnesses kind of run rampant. Um, So what is the worry um, and what precautions can we take to not have a potential, uh, another spike, another wave again this fall? Sure. So certainly like, um, certainly the hope is that like most, uh, flu viruses, the um, COVID-19, uh, the coronavirus um, subsides in the warmer weather with the, with the humid weather. Um, unfortunately, it looks like um, these kind of new viruses, when they first come upon the human population, um, that, that, that recession in the, in the warmer, more humid uh, months um, takes a while to occur so that the virus goes through several waves of peaking and, and decreasing. And it settles in often to a, a summer pattern where it's pretty dormant. Um, but that often doesn't happen right away. It takes several, several cycles, several years before that happens. So before that happens, before we can rely on a, on a, on a significant uh, dormancy time, um, Testing is going to be critical, um, and really two types of testing: testing for um, people who are infected right now, uh, which which we've all, which have been in place. There there are several different types of, of those tests, and several and many different manufacturers of them. Um, but just coming on the market, just coming becoming available, are antibody tests to see who's had an infection, and that will be critical because. Um, most likely the people who had, there, there are many people out there who have had the infection and it, most likely having had it will mean you're immune from it, at least for a significant period of time, meaning that those people who've had it can safely get back into the workplace, both to, to in, you know, regular, uh, work settings, but also in hospitals without fear of transmitting or, or getting the coronavirus. So even if the state slowly reopens and businesses start to reopen and some people go back to their workplaces, but some um, continue the remote work, 
How long do you think this social distancing, social distancing behaviors are going to continue? Could this be through the summer, into the fall, for the next year? Right. I, I mean, certainly some level of social distancing will most likely be necessary until we have a vaccine or until there's a cure for the disease or there's a vaccine to prevent people from getting the disease. Um, until that happens, um, there will, the virus will be out there and there'll be, there'll be the potential for outbreaks and therefore there will be some need for social distancing. Certainly we've all heard, I mean, every, all the different policymakers are, this is unprecedented, this has never happened before, trying to figure out how we reopen the economy. And, um, you know, one of the things that I think most people are coming to terms with is that things like restaurants uh, may be able to be open, but they'll be at 50% capacity, meaning that there'll be separation between tables, mm-hmm. um, that sort of thing. Uh, Paul, thank you so much for talking to me again this morning. And of course, as things continue to develop, um, we'll certainly have you back for another update. Okay, well, thank you and uh, be well. Thanks, you too. For the latest COVID-19 information, visit cbia.com. Follow us on Twitter at CBIA News and on Facebook. Call us anytime at 860-244-1900. Stay safe out there.